You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, guys and gals. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Um, you know, last week, a little bit of a you know vacay, so to speak. Um, that week of June is the busiest time for me of the year. Uh, I've got about three or four birthdays with the family. Um, you know, I have nine nieces and nephews, so there's always a possibility for a graduation or two mixed in. Um, but we're getting back to, you know, back to work here, July, which, you know, for us, football-wise, should be the most exciting time of the you know the year as we get closer and closer, um, you know, to what, opening up training camps and getting back to normalcy. Um, yeah, obviously, we're going to sit here with bated breath, you know, day by day, week by week, see where we come. And, you know, as far as, you know, hopefully reaching that goal of training camp. Um, tomorrow, uh, we will launch the... Uh, Brown's page on Pro Football Network. Everybody be on the lookout for that. We're excited for that. Uh, I've assembled a pretty good team over there. You know, we're going to do, obviously, you know, a lot of, a lot of Brown's coverage. Um, you know, we'll take some draft into it as far as, you know, Brown's possible needs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, you'll get a lot of talk on Ohio State prospects, things like that. But uh, be sure to go ahead and check out uh, PFN Brown's, um, you know, as we uh, launch for tomorrow on July 1st. Uh, we're going to sit down today here. We're going to talk with Pete Smith. Um, make sure you follow on at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd at underscore Pete Smith underscore um, Pete. First things first. Um, and, and I guess you could probably see this one coming. I mean, you know, you, you, they could have said Jared Stidham till they were blue in the face. You knew there was not going to be another shoe to drop Cam Newton uh, to the Patriots. Um, and one of the things, Pete, for uh, probably for you, for me, anybody, you know, as, as follows football as deeply as we do is, the one thing everybody kind of respects about Belichick, Bill Belichick and, and loves about Belichick is he will never back down from something that may not be his norm. Um, you know, you know, having to, you know, basically shift the offense and look, there's not a lot of skill other than the running back position in New England right now. But if there's anybody that would love to flip the script and, you know, and we always say this about Bill Belichick is he'll beat you on Sunday. You guys can come back next week, switch rosters, and then Bill Belichick will find a way to take your guys and then still beat you the following week. Um, you get a player with Cam, obviously former MVP, um, and you know injuries over the last couple of years. And we've talked about you know how the league kind of probably did Cam wrong in that respect. Um, but Cam Newton going to New England, um, and just another opportunity for Bill Belichick to you know basically flex his football intelligent muscles. So I don't know what to make of this uh, in so far as. You know, the, the contract he signed, which could be up worth up to $7.5 million, could also be worth nothing. Um, I don't know what that says about his health. I don't know uh, if they, you know, how, how much they have in terms of assurances that he's going to be good to go. I, I presume they gave him a physical and whatever uh, issues he has or, or, or maybe he's healthy uh, that they signed off on, um, which um, – you know, that's that's going to be interesting. If he's healthy, even though I don't think he's ever going to be 100% because he was officiated by Shaq and LeBron for so many years, where he was just allowed <laughs> to be just, he was allowed, I mean, they just allowed him to be beaten to a pulp in, in the worst possible ways. Um, I, I think the, uh, the New England Patriots have a good offensive line. Um, they have, you know, they have talent at running back. Um, Sony Michelle, you know, unfortunately has this like yearly off-season, uh, you, know, m- you know, surgery type deal he's got going on. Something's always getting cleaned out. Um, they they still have James White. I, I just have nothing but questions about their skill um, with receivers. 
I I I love uh, the the receiver they drafted last year. Uh, Nikhil Harry. From Nikhil Harry, I I really really like him. Um, I don't know if that's going to be nearly enough. And, and I and I and I don't doubt the idea that they're going to um, do some things like Baltimore did. I, I just don't know how effective that can be. The, the things I found interesting about the Cam Newton thing were. Nobody else talked to him other than the Browns, uh, and, and this is further evidence that they're going to look under every stone to try to improve their roster because this, this, the time they would have talked to him was after Case Keenum was signed, uh, and, and the conversation didn't go very far, uh, according to Adam Schefter. And I assume that the Browns basically said, look, we'd love to have you if you want to use this year as a rehab year to get healthy as a backup. And I assume he basically said, I'm not interested in that. And that's where the conversation ended. But even if you're a team that was like, well, we want to see him work out. None of these teams reached out to see that. Like the Chicago bears didn't reach out to see, you know, what, what Cam Newton might offer. The, the Los Angeles chargers didn't reach out to see what Cam Newton might offer. There's all these teams that are bad at quarterback. that could, could, use uh, a player like cam newton and the only other team to reach out was the browns that is either a statement on on the league's perception of cam Newton's health or something else so I, I i don't know the other the other fallout from this is you know one do the browns now reach out to colin kaepernick certainly would make the roster better if they're interested in that type of thing. And it would be similar deal. He'd be a backup. You know, I don't think the Browns were ever going to be like, well, Cam Newton's going to come in and start for us. Uh, and certainly there are teams that might be in the market for Colin Kaepernick that weren't in the market for uh, Cam Newton, like maybe the Baltimore Ravens, maybe the Houston Texans, maybe the Seattle Seahawks. But if none of it, none of these teams reached out to Cam Newton, it, makes me worried that no one is going to reach out to Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and I understand how many of these teams are sort of settled at quarterback. I also understand how many of these teams are looking at this camp coming up this year and basically like, we don't have time to mess around with this, but at the same time, he's clearly a better player than a lot of these teams have. Yeah. And, you know, for the Browns and, and having interest with Cam, um, and this, you know, and like you said, yeah, you probably use the perfect term is, um, look, if you're available and we think you can play, we're going to reach out. And, you know, for years in the past, this franchise, it was why even bother playing, you know, placing the call because, you know, most of the time maybe it wouldn't get returned or it'd be like, well, uh, not, you know, uh, we were really more interested in, you know, one of the other 30 teams, not the team we were leaving, obviously not the Browns, one of the other 30 teams. You know, how would it have worked? Who possibly knows? Could it have been a scenario where the Jets, obviously a couple summer goes, summers ago, had Teddy Bridgewater in? And the plan was never to really have Teddy Bridgewater be any part of the New York Jets or their offense. It was more of maybe he's going to have worth to somebody. And then when you get into summer, obviously, you know, Teddy went to New Orleans where it didn't obviously change much until Drew Brees got hurt, you know, for a couple of weeks last year. Um, you would have brought in a player of Cam Newton's ability. And then if there was some sort of quarterback injury, or even if he got a chance to play a little bit in the preseason, other people would have been said, you know, could have said, oh, all right, well, he does look a little bit like Cam Newton used to look. He looks, you know, healthy. Um, you know, I've got a first year quarterback, you know, I got a rookie quarterback that we're not so sure of. 
we've got a second year quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, that we're not so sure of. So let's go ahead, get in a veteran of this type of quality, former MVP that, you know, no mistaking. The one thing though, Pete, and, you know, and with the weapons of what they talked about, and this is kind of where we talked about what was going on with Cam Newton in Carolina at the time. Carolina was kind of moving away from the type of weapons that Cam Newton succeeded with. You know, the uh, the Kelvin Benjamins they were moving on from. They were going with the shorter, quicker, you know, all about footwork, all about getting out of your break on time type of wide receivers in DJ Moore, in Asante Samuel. And now here he goes to a situation where, you know, the wide receiver core, you know, other than Harry, these are the type of guys. I mean, you think of Edelman, that's exactly what he is to a T. He beats you with, you know, precision route running, footwork, et cetera, et cetera. And now you take him out of what was starting to become the – you know, the, the end of the Carolina run where Cam was a former MVP, obviously a former Super Bowl team. And then you put him in a situation where it's similar. So how it's all going to work out in New England, I have no idea. But looking at Belichick and the way it works and, you know, the, just the football savant he is, it's something that's going to be interesting. And then, you know, New England's always going to have, you know, being a first place team, they're always going to have a quality schedule. And if he can find a way to make it through, stay healthy, there's going to be some great matchups between New England, Baltimore, Kansas City, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera on the schedule. Well, and that's the thing. I, I, I can't help but wonder if the Browns weren't reaching out to Cam Newton, not only because, you know, he's better than Gary Gilbert, no offense to Gary Gilbert, but also – Former thinking, AAF Hall of Famer, but go ahead. Uh, but also from the standpoint of, look, if we get Cam Newton in here, he can't go to these other teams. Uh, and, and, you know, adding Cam Newton to the New England Patriots, they are potentially, you know, in the mix for one of those seven playoff spots that the Browns are vying for. And if the Browns looked at this and said, well, if we can get him off the board, this might eliminate a potential uh, contender for one of those playoff spots. So, again, I, I think um, every all this is interesting. The Cam Newton and Bill Belichick part of this is interesting and in how they – mesh the way they they're going to craft that offense around with, with Josh McDaniels and everything that's interesting but um I you know I, as much as I'd like to be able to go well this means this other than the fact that Cam Newton is technically on the Patriots roster it's very difficult to be able to say anything more than that at this point it's weird that you know the, the former MVP is, is is reduced to a you know incentive-laden contract that could be worth up to $7.5 million. Meanwhile, Nick Bowles got traded for and has $21 million guaranteed. And, you know, like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Chase Daniels making a, a, a bunch of money. So, I mean, it's just interesting to see how this thing goes. Um, you know, never, never a dull moment as far as that. And then he chased Daniels of the world, you know, just sit back and smile and say, my God, you guys, the punishment you take and for, you know, a third of the pay essentially that I make, we got more coming here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, JC Treader. I uh, wrote a piece today and, you know, uh, behalf of the NFL players association, this is something real. We're going to have to talk about here. And, uh, Pete himself, um, took on a big challenge here. We'll get to that here a little bit, a little more coming here on locked on Browns, Jeff Lloyd. Pete Smith. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. 
Okay, Pete. Um, it obviously came out here. J.C. Treader obviously wrote a piece here. And, you know, we're seeing it within what's going to be the NBA, which is supposed to start at the end of the month. Obviously, MLB right behind there. Pete, there's a real thing here. And we talked about this last week with Kareem Hunt, you know, and his sentiment of, look, man, if it's time to go and we're ready to go, hey, this is what I do. I'm a football player. I'll be there to do it. There's going to be some players and it's going to happen. There's going to be some people that just say, you know, look, the threat is real enough for me. And it's not just for said player, for said players, you know, family at home, for said players, extended family. There is a real possibility. And all it's going to take, you know, and I'm sure there's some guys who are wavering one way or the other as far as, you know, is this you know too dangerous for me? Is the risk too big for, you know, my mother, my father, yada, yada. Um, there's going to be some players and, you know, one, all it takes is one. And once one domino falls, you know, obviously others will you know follow in suit, you know, feeling less and less pressure to do so. But just like the NBA, just like MLB, we're going to see some guys that maybe decide or even, hey, I'm going to sit out a month or, you know, I, I want to see where this goes in two to three weeks. This is something very real. And, you know, if it, there, there's guys in the NBA doing it and there's guys in MLB doing it, there's certainly going to be a guy or two or 12 in the NFL are going to say, look, the risk is just too great. I, I just I just can't afford you know, to, you know, what this could bring to, you know, my inner family, not my extended family, which is obviously the locker room, but my inner family, my wife, my kids, you know, my, my parents, you know, et cetera. Well, again, I think he, uh, Kareem Hunt said it perfectly. Yes, I'm worried about COVID-19. I'm worried my family will get it, but I'm going to play. And, and, I, and, and I don't see them like the Major League Baseball. I don't see them like the NBA, because those guys have guaranteed contracts. You know, the NFL average career is barely three years. Um, how many of these guys are willing to give up one of those years? I mean, Tom Brady does not need a dime from the NFL, ever. Uh, his wife makes more than he does. And he's out here <laughs> trying to do everything he can to get the Bucks ready and to put himself in position for a Super Bowl. Um, and by virtue of him doing that, it's going to only put pressure on everyone else to sort of do that. Because if you're not getting better, you know, as that old adage goes, you're either you're either getting worse or you're staying the same. And Tom Brady's out here getting better. Russell Wilson is out here getting better. And these are the, you know, Russell Wilson, arguably the best quarterback in the league. Tom Brady has, you know, a fistful of jewelry, and he's trying to get ready for one more. I mean, I, I don't doubt that there will be a few players that say I'm not going to deal with this because they've got a pre-existing condition, or maybe they're, um, you know, they've got a child or something along those lines in, in, in their immediate family uh, that, that, that that's at too much risk. But I am more than prepared for players to essentially like either live at the NFL facility or get an apartment or something and basically say, you know, like they're, they're taking a tour with the army uh, or, you know, some oil rig or something. And basically look, I'm going to go get this money because it's, you know, how many players in the NFL are operating from the position of, I only have X years to potentially bring in a life-changing amount of money for my family. And it's not just the players. It's, you know, that immediate family and the amount of pressure that comes with that and, and everything with that. So, I, I look, I understand what 
Treader is trying to do. I understand what the NFL is trying to do. But I'm waiting for anybody to say from the NFL, I don't know about this. And to this point, I have not seen anyone even suggest anything other than we're playing and we're getting this because there's everybody on both sides of that is super amped to go do this. And all the concerns are coming from outside sources. Like it was Dr. Anthony Fauci. And then he sort of walked back a little bit what he said, but it's not coming from inside. It's coming from outside. Whereas major league baseball players were saying, you know, this is an issue. Obviously a lot of it was over money. NBA players are saying, look, we're not, we're not doing this because of a, B and C, but, the NFL doesn't work that way. And they've got, because of the way the sport works and how short careers are and how much overchange uh, every year, they've got the weakest union of any in professional sports. So, I mean, I, I think JC Treader will do everything he possibly can, but ultimately if those guys say, look, we're going to go get paid and we're going to play. He, there's only so much he can do to sort of hold that back. There is a difference of circumstances. There is, but, and, you know, this is where it could be, you know, maybe players who are older and maybe it's, you know, guys where it's, you know, is this, you know, it's one more year in the sun. Is it worth it for me? You know, I mean, you know, to use an example, I'll just use a player like Adrian Claiborne, former first round pick. Um, if he's handled his money correctly, obviously, you know, should be pretty well financially, you know, say a player like that ilk, you know, where you're, you know, maybe playing one, you know, maybe two years, or you were even on the fence, you know, because we are starting to see a lot of players at 29, 30, you know, recalibrate their lives, recalibrate their brain and their vision as to what is important. You know, is this one season, two season, is this going to be worth it when I am 50 or, you know, 50 or 60 years old? Do I want to be more of a part of my children's lives, my grandchildren's lives, or do I want to be the guy who's sitting in the chair in the corner because I'm hurt from neck to my toes? Um, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting. It's certainly a debate. You're going to certainly see whether or not, you know, how much it is. And obviously the way the, uh, obviously the way the, obviously the contracts are done in the NFL, obviously does have a lot to do with it. So there is, you know, that aspect of it. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, I, I, I'll be stunned if there is not one, I mean, uh, you know, seeing it in MLB, seeing it in the NBA, I'll be stunned if there's not at least one guy that just says, you want to know what, let's, let's talk next spring see where I'm at, see where, you know, hopefully this country is at. And then maybe at that time, it's a little bit, uh, you know, better for me to decide to either, you know, step back in or essentially just say, you know what, I, I've had my fun with the NFL and, you know, now we'll move on to the next part of our lives. Uh, we'll get to uh, Pete's uh, article that he put out today over on Browns Digest. Uh, more coming here on your Tuesday, Locked on Browns. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, Fiat, Kia, and models, Specifica, XT5, it is now impossible to stock all of the car parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your model an LX? Is your model an EX? Is it 3.5? Is it a 4.0? And wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You can you have computers with access to rockauto.com and in your pocket with your cell phone. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can then use for other important things like food, mortgage, rent, etc. etc. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store? or at a new car dealership. Random example, uh, the Delpit FG 1456 fuel pump assembly 
for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey, $354 at a chain store or at a dealership, or $217 at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different prices, uh, price tiers for the professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com uh, prices are the same for everybody and reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, either uh, rather than changing prices based on what the market and will bear, like most airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everyone and does not require membership or account login. Rockauto.com is a family business serving your auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and save hundreds for your auto and body part needs. Be sure and tell them that Locked On sent you. So Pete, you, you, you kind of poked the bear here. And you know, for everybody, and I know some people are you know giving Pete a, a, a difficult time, you know, locking his account. What Pete wrote today, and look, there's a lot of truth to it. And just because you're bigger and, you know, you maybe carry more clout in, I'm not using clout in the term where you guys maybe think it's overall, but there's, if there's going to be this standard, Pete, of what is right and what is wrong, then everybody has to toe the line and it has to come from within. And it, 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 you, it's just something that you can't fake. It's something that's not going to be forced until you open your eyes and you truly understand what is right and wrong. You, you're essentially faking it, which probably makes all of these efforts of trying to get equality pressed, you know, into the mainstream. And it, it's sad that we're still not here. And it's sad that it's probably only getting worse over the recent events here, but Pete, it was well-written, you know, I, I know, you know, there's a lot of it coming from the heart and just, of what is truly right or wrong and what is truly acceptable in this business that we're all in. Uh, so I appreciate all the people who are telling me that I'm brave, but none of this was brave. And the reason for that is because I was part of the problem for, you know, the last several years where I knew what Barstool was doing. Uh, I knew what Dave Portnoy was doing and I didn't, say anything because I just as I am now I was worried about being a target I've seen what has happened to people who get targeted they you know they box people they you know they attack people they try to intimidate people and get into their lives and everything else and that does concern me I, I like that's a genuine concern as I wrote it and what started as a sort of noting that Roger Goodell got this one right by accident in refusing <laughs> to uh, legitimize Dave Portnoy uh, for winning that auction for COVID-19 relief for the right to sit in a, a, a box in a, for a game or whatever. And, and you know, Goodell didn't do it because it was an issue of right or wrong. He did it because Portnoy, Portnoy's been a pain in his ass. And, you know, people were pressuring him to say, you know, to to go ahead and, and give Portnoy the ability to meet him and all these other things. But with everything that's gone on um, with, with Black Lives Matter and the protests since George Floyd's murder and everything else, um, 
you, you see these clips that have been re-dug up, and this, these are these are this this is one example out of hundreds um, of this type of behavior and some of the other things they've done. Um, that Roger Goodell, by not meeting him, made it was right. I mean, imagine if he agreed to meet with Portnoy, and then this clip comes out where you've got him saying that Colin Kaepernick is an Arab terrorist, and then the other guy says he has terrorist skin. As you're trying to start to come to grips with your ugly history, the NFL has a bad history, uh, especially in the last two decades as it, as it comes to, to race. And what they did to Colin Kaepernick was reprehensible. Uh, to then, you know, essentially give an audience to this guy who has this clip where he says the son of a black man and white woman is an Arab terrorist. Or that the other guy says he has terrorist skin. Like, that, that we can't, if, if people are serious about taking down institutional racism, you can't pick and choose. Like it's very, and, and it's going to sound wrong to say it like this, but it's easy to say that pol police brutality is wrong. It's easy to say that George Floyd being murdered was wrong. It seems far more difficult for some people to then take this into this business, which Portnoy is allegedly worth around $100 million himself. The company is allegedly worth $450 million. They are not, and he is not, some small actor or, you know, the little guy. He is part of the establishment. So if you're saying that I want to, I, I, I want to end institutional racism, I don't know how you can align yourself or accept the racism that that company projects. And I get all these arguments about, well, so-and-so is not bad. He's the president. He's the founder. Like, you are responsible to, if you're going to stay employed by this person, it's going to rub off on you. We deal with this thing in national politics uh, about what behavior at the top does to everyone uh, below it. If Dave Portnoy is the problem, then it seems like you need to get rid of Dave Portnoy. The problem is, it's not. There are other people that act like this. There are people who follow them who act like this. They, and, and the amount of people who legitimize them and give them credibility, either because they don't know or they don't want to be in the way and potentially be a target, only allows them to get more credibility. Dave Portnoy uh, sold 36% of his company to a former Fox News COO. Um, he is given time on Fox News as a guest. He not only has racist behavior, but, uh, countless examples, he also has been a virus denier. He has a platform. If you're not willing to stand up and say this is wrong and that this shouldn't be okay, then I don't know how you can say that you're anti-racist and 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 honestly that's where it started was with Goodell and then I went to just cite Joe Thomas's article from the Players Tribune I, I was just going to use that as an example 
of him saying it's it's not okay to simply not be racist. You have to be, you know, actively calling it out. But Joe Thomas has been associated with Barstool and Dave Portnoy and been to their events and done things with them, been a guest on their on that platform. And he's saying in his article, he's prescribing to say, you have to call this out. Well, then you have to call this out. Even if you're not going to disassociate yourself from from those people, you have to at least live up to your own word and say, this is racism, because it is. And then, you know, Baker Mayfield uh, has been a guest on, 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 their, on their platform, and he has merchandise. You can buy merchandise from Barstool's website. And I understand that, you know, some, either some or all the proceeds go to charity. And it's not directly involved with Dave Portnoy. And it's, you know, involved with the guys from Pardon My Take. Okay, but every time people click on that website, it enriches a racist. It enriches somebody who is actively fighting against the change you want to see. I listen to Kevin Stefanski say, attach your name. Right now, Baker Mayfield's name is attached to Barstool. It's attached to Dave Portnoy, who is a racist. And Baker Mayfield has done all kinds of admirable things. I think he's right on so many things. And I, and I don't want to tear down Joe Thomas or Baker Mayfield. I don't think either of them is a bad guy at all. Uh, I think they've done a lot of things that are right. I think what Joe, Joe Thomas wrote was powerful and important. I think what, what Baker Mayfield has, has done, and I've covered it all, uh, talking about, you know, whether it was wearing the shirt or saying he's going to kneel or writing or signing onto that letter to Congress about qualified immunity or uh, getting involved in the case of Julius Jones, who's on death row in Oklahoma and trying to save that man's life. It cheapens that message and that credibility if at the same time you associate yourself and allow your name to be attached to Dave Portnoy and this racist behavior. It's, you then can't say you are anti, you cannot say you are anti-racist and you cannot say you are fully part of the solution so long as that's the case. And that doesn't make him a bad guy, but it's a choice that he and Joe Thomas have to make. Andrew Berry just launched you know, with the Cleveland Browns organization, be the solution. Nothing that associates any member of the Cleveland Browns with Barstool right now can say that is part of the solution. If anything, it's the opposite, because it's abiding a system that's going to keep people like this. It's going to keep racism alive and well. And and unfortunately, in the in the in the, in the forum we work in sports, it's the easiest place for racism to be allowed into the mainstream and if we're not going to be able if we're not going to stand up for that then what's the point of any of this george floyd died for nothing all these people have died for nothing and we're just going to be okay with it so all these people are saying i'm trying to take down baker mayfield and joe thomas uh, and, and and i cannot state this enough i did not i don't enjoy i did not enjoy writing any of this um, i did it because i thought it was the right thing to do i i, I thought it was something that had to be written. But I don't want this to be Baker Mayfield and Joe Thomas are bad people who are support, supporting racists. What I hope happens is that Joe Thomas and Baker Mayfield look at this situation and go, this is what's happening here and my name is associated with them. Do I want to be involved with these people? Um, and, and I think that's a question that has to be asked 
and answered. I don't think it's okay to just let this go and say, well, these guys are doing all the right things and then help enrich somebody who is an abject racist and does all these things wrong. And all these people are pointing and saying, well, what about all the things that Barstool does right? Where's the line where you're okay with racism so long as somebody does things right? Where's the line that says, we're okay with misogyny so long as, as, as they do these other things? Where's the line that says it's okay to glamorize sexual predators so long as they do these other things? And I don't know how you can, you can watch that clip of Colin Kaepernick, and I hope everybody does, because it's, it's not even racist. It's like so far beyond anything that even resembles the pale to suggest this, this guy who's standing up for police brutality when he was kneeling has terrorist skin. Like, that's awful. And Baker Mayfield's left guard knows Colin Kaepernick, played with him in Nevada. Like, I don't know how you go into that locker room and have these conversations with teammates who are, you know, effectively targets of what these people are trying to do. So, I mean, at the bottom line is if you're, if you're, if this for anybody, if you are saying you are anti-racist, I don't know how you can watch that clip or in any of the numerous other examples of the awful behavior you see coming out of that place and then say, well, I'm part of the solution because that is the problem. And that is part of the systematic racism in this country and, and suggesting that it's, you know, again, using the, well, it's a few bad apples or it's a few bad examples. No, it is racism. There's no getting around it. And if, if, if we're gonna be honest about this and call out racism for what it is, we have to be honest about this being racism. And, you know, again, I, I am worried about what's gonna happen. I am worried that, you know, people are going to find ways to either publicize, you know, my address, my phone number, any of that stuff, you know, come to my work and do what they've done to countless other people. And I would uh, encourage people to look into the tactics they've used to sort of quiet people down. And again, those are reasons why none of this is brave because I was every bit is unwilling to stand up to this as so many others are. The difference is I never said it was okay, I guess, if that makes it better, but this is my attempt to basically be able to look, whether it's players I have coached or players I, I may encounter on the Browns, and if they look at me and ask, was I willing to you know, stand up for the right thing that I can look them in the eye and say that I can. And, you know, that's where I came out of this. I don't, none of this makes me feel good. It's been basically not in my stomach since I published it and even just writing it. And I've gotten a lot of support from people, which I cannot say enough how grateful I am for. And I hope it makes a difference because, you know, and, and I say this at my own risk, there are people at my company who abide this uh, and and it makes me uncomfortable and again i'm hoping i can encourage people to take an honest look at this like we the easy parts of racism or what should be the easy parts are easy for a reason it's hard when it comes to am i willing to sacrifice money out of my own pocket and am i willing to be socially responsible and say no to this type of behavior 
and that's if, if you want to call it a challenge that's a challenge if people want to call me a coward fine um i i'm i'm okay with all of it i i just don't want to deal with blowback that's going to come from this and i'll eventually unlock my account uh but you know i get emails from my mom worried about this stuff like she's you know she's scared so this is what it is this is where i come out on it and as you guys all know pete's mom one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Um, but the, in, in the, the gist of this all and what Pete is trying to say is this isn't one of those things where it, you're either all in 110% or the whole effort essentially becomes futile. And that's, that's you know, when I read it this morning and, you know, and Pete and I have had a lot of talks about this and a lot of it not even recorded. And it's just about what is right and wrong. And for those probably giving the blowback you probably know where they stand and they aren't you know, months away from changing and seeing and understanding. They're probably years, maybe even damn decades. Everybody just be nicer to each other, love one another better. And, you know, as my father always used to say, judge somebody by who they are, not what they are. And guess what? You don't have to love them. You're certainly not going to hate them, but God damn it, son, you will respect them. And that's the way it works. And that's what a society is. And look, we have children who are so much better at this. And you want to know what? If we want them to be better with this and for this country to head that way, the learned behavior that comes from above them needs to stop. That's sadly all we got time for here today, guys. Um, Pete and his team still doing a fantastic job over at Browns Digest here. Um, obviously, we'd love to be talking more about football here, but with the way the world is and obviously with so many professional athletes standing up trying to you know help change within everywhere you know that's certainly something we cannot ignore certainly something we do have to talk about so check everything out uh at underscore pete smith underscore everything browns digest on si.com make sure you're following browns browns digest on twitter um show itself at locked on browns as you guys know follow back account dms are always open me personally at jeff underscore lj underscore lloyd dms are open there any questions guys always feel free to send those on over um just you know anything you guys want put in you know we try to do our damnedest to make that happen uh we will launch the uh, pro football network browns page tomorrow really looking forward to that so really make sure you're checking that out make sure you're following uh pfm browns as well um Appreciate everybody uh, to our sponsors, Rock Auto, uh, you know, and obviously make sure the, uh, you know, the I Will campaign, if you want to check out that and, you know, throw a couple dollars towards that, uh, we over here at Lockdown appreciate that as well. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.